Welcome back to the League Podcast. We've laughed. We've pondered. We've sown discord to topple the commissioner's regime. And it's only season one. Today, we're joined by Matt for our second playoff push episode. Coming off of a razor-thin victory over Steve in hopes of securing a playoff spot down the stretch, we'll talk with Matt about his team, the state of the league as we enter the last two weeks of the regular season, and wax poetic about two NFC East powers. Thanks for joining. Let's get started. Matt, welcome. Good to be here. Thank you for having me back. (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. Thanks for signing up for a spot here. Uh, A point fourteen victory over Steve in week 13. It is tied for the thinnest margin of victory ever. How does it feel? Wow. Uh, It feels like a huge relief. Uh, My team's been taking on water for weeks. Things don't look great. And uh, yeah, I think Steve and I had probably the two closest games uh, that a a pair of opponents have had in the league, perhaps ever. I mean, the, the other one was by less than a point. It was controversial related to field goal and rules. Uh, and yeah, we had another close one. So uh, I easily could have lost both these games. Yeah. Can can I tell you something? Yeah. And I only noticed it when I was doing a little bit of research for this episode. I looked at the results of yours and Steve's matchup. And his kicker also missed a 50-yard kick this time. No, sir. Again, <laughs> again, again. So that is two victories, Matt. Your your team would look very, very different right now. Your team would be sitting outside of the playoffs. Yeah, I would be. Oh, yeah, outside the playoffs. It just it's just a reminder of how much luck plays a role, you know, in this league in fantasy football. Uh, I mean. I could so easily be outside the playoffs. At the same time, I've scored almost as many points as the guy leading the league. It's like, you know, how does that happen? It's, uh, you know, I've had some good luck. I also, hey, second most points scored against me. So it has been all easy. But uh, I I do feel very fortunate even, you know, I've had a bunch of injuries to be where I am. So, well, if we could all all be as fortunate as to be the commissioner's brother and somehow sneak out these uh these wins uh with the uh the the point change that never was, but I I, I won't harp on that too much. Um just just wanted <laughs> yeah. to make sure that we implement the rules that we vote on in the off season. Totally. But yep. Yeah, next year this will be the last year with a, an asterisk on the FGs. There you go. And we'll see. I, we'll see if your team goes all the way there. There might be more spice uh, down the line. So so taking a look at your team now, you're sitting in uh, fourth place, seven and five, certainly looking more secure than you were last week. You haven't quite wrapped up a playoff spot yet. Size up your team for us. What, what do things look like in the commies for capitalism locker room at this point? It's a good question. I mean, we have... Uh... You know, we'll be lucky to win a playoff game, I think is the honest (laughs) appraisal. Uh, Look, we lost our best wide receiver, best running back, uh, our breakout quarterback, Justin Fields. Uh, You know, he's got this injury. Who knows how long he's out? So 
things look really bad. Um, you know, we've been enjoying in the locker room having four quarterbacks. Uh, I've just been loving having four quarterbacks. And uh, I kept getting What have you loved about it? What have you loved about it? You just, you have so much flexibility of like who might play or who, you know, you just, things with like bye weeks, never an issue. Um, and I just got so many trade offers. Um, it, it was really interesting that clearly, you know, people always need quarterbacks, perhaps more than any position. Um, so it almost made me think like, gosh, I got to do this four quarterback thing again. You know, I, a small part of me felt bad for hoarding quarterbacks. Uh, I usually go with three, but, you know, my guys were so up and down that I felt like, you know, I've got to keep them all around to see, just to patch something together. Yeah. And you didn't have those like end of the bench, Baker Mayfield, Davis Mills guys. Like you had startable quarterbacks. And at some point every week, uh, this year, you started at uh, each of those guys at least once and many multiple times. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I, I needed them all and different ones came through at different weeks. Uh, I, I totally missed Jimmy. It was hard to get rid of him. But I mean, I was just so desperate at, at running back, as you pointed out to me. I mean, my goodness, like if you look at the uh, the top running backs, I only have a top 25 running back because I traded for one. Um you know, and who's that? Uh, uh, Jeff Wilson Jr. So, so Jeff, I, so he's your only top twenty-five running back. He is my only top twenty-five running back. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're thin at running back. The priority definitely wasn't running back in the draft this year. And then you know the injuries, like losing Brees Hall. Um, oh, man. My gosh, you know I had like what the Niners starting running back, and then. He basically gets hurt twice. You know, I, yeah. I had him on my IR all year, and now he's just done again. <laughs> Matt, I think you might have been hit the I'm just realizing it now. I think you might have been hit the worst by injuries this year. I kind of think so. I haven't looked through everybody's team, but I, I do feel like to be where I am at the season with the injuries I've had it is impressive. Yeah, um, and so I, like, you, you know. like you said, Brees Hall, and, and he was rolling for you. He was he was like potentially that like, you know, MVP league winner kind of uh, player uh, and then out for the season. What week five or six? Yeah, maybe about six or six. Yeah, roughly. Mm-hmm. And and then you had those really, um, I, I think, the most frustrating kind of uh, injury player. Right. Where Like the uh, Andre Swift, where. Yes. <laughs> right gets injured early and they're like ah just a, just a week ah just a couple of weeks ah, after the bye and like six weeks go by and this guy is still hobbled he's now starting <laughs> to get back on your bench a little bit but i'm looking at your roster too eli mitchell like you said even damian harris got in on the injury party in your running back room right yeah it, it's been ugly i mean we are really just patching this together with duct tape and I mean, I, I'm waiting for someone to just steamroll me in round one of the playoffs. But, you know, if, if I'm there, I'm happy. And who knows it? Maybe I shock the world. <laughs> you never know. I think I'm coming out of this conversation with a much greater appreciation for your team uh, and the performance that you've been able to cobble together, given um, the uncertainties that you've had uh, as a result of injuries. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, we've been pretty solid at, at kicker and defense that really helped me this week. And then, you know, just guys like 
Justin Jefferson have been so good. Um, just been really, really happy with him. So, um, so let's it, talk. Um, let's let's say we're we're all trying to make the playoffs here. Only two that have clinched are Raf and uh, Jason. Let's say you make the playoffs. What has to go right in order for you to get a first round victory? It's a good question. For a first round victory, I probably need Justin Fields healthy and having a big game. Uh, and then everybody else being kind of their solid, you know, usual self. Uh, Justin Jefferson can't have one of his off weeks. Uh, but yeah, a big game from Justin Fields. And if I pick the right defense to start, uh, I, I could be okay. I, I could have a chance. So Yeah, and, and I just checked out uh, Justin Fields' uh, update right now. He's day-to-day for what that's worth. It's a sprain in his left shoulder, which is his non-throwing shoulder. So... Um, you know, if he can throw and he can run, it might just be a pain tolerance thing. And he's definitely, I mean, he's had some of these huge weeks that have not only kept you in games, but brought home the victory for you too. Yeah, I, I think, and one thing I'm, I'm I'm worrying about with him is that, uh, you know, given that he runs, he's going to take some hits. I could very easily see like he's looking good, he's going to play, and then somebody pops him in the shoulder in the first quarter, he scores only three points. You know, I drop like 109 points and get... <laughs> blown out of the water by like Jason or something. So, uh, who knows? <laughs> so speaking of fields, you got some jeers, uh, mostly from yours truly, uh, at the draft about your QB room. He ended up being, and I think by far, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think by far your best QB this season. What was it like for you to witness that transition of, Oh, this guy's questionable to, Oh, this guy is playing like the best quarterback in the league right now. Yeah, it's a great question, and it was an incredible thrill. And, I mean, I'll admit that I thought a little bit about, like, do I even keep this guy on the roster for a few weeks? Whoa. I mean, like, might be he, dropping him. Yeah, I, I totally, not even trading, but just dropping him. Um, but, you know, I always have a soft spot for quarterbacks who can run because I think they just get points. They're fun to watch play. Um, and, you know, I kept him on the bench because I, you know, eh, I just – I still believed in him enough. Uh, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, Justin just dropped like 53 points on somebody. Um, and, you know, he had like a three week span where he was just killing it. Yeah. Uh, it's like, whoa. Uh, and my team was just scoring in a different, you know, at a different level. Yeah. I think we were at like 170 or 180 points maybe. Uh, so yeah, that was the the most, I mean, I haven't had like a real breakout player like that. In probably a few years. <laughs> it's fun, just, man. Yeah, it just really delights you. Like, you know, to that level, like, wow, this guy's a, a huge stud. Yeah, yeah. He might, I, I recall you mentioning that 53 number. He might have the single highest point total of any player this year. If if he wow. doesn't, it's it's him. It's that the ones that are coming to mind are that Joe Mixon uh, five touchdown game, which actually was against you. Pat was playing you that week and you guys both had just like these guys go off. But I think, I think Justin Fields has had the highest uh, single game total. I did not even realize that. Wow. I mean, okay, I'll take it. I'm (laughs) I'm happy. Yeah. Who would have thought, you know, Um, but yeah, I always love just watching young guys blossom. So hope he keeps it going. Um, yeah, 
And and you've had a couple, I'm looking at your team, you've had a couple of young guys do just that. Blossom, um, build on, you know, in the case of Jalen Waddle, build on great first years in the case of Chris Olave, uh, really be um, a presence in year one. And pretty much there, he is their receiving room. Um, talk to us about team MVP this year. Who's been your team MVP? You got you I'm, feel free to think out loud, but like if you had to choose yeah. one guy, who would it be? That's a good question. You know, I mean, if, if Justin was still healthy, I think it would be him. Um, but I think I got to give it to Justin Jefferson just for being steady throughout the year. He's the highest scoring wide out in the league. I used my second round pick on him. So just to have that production, it has been huge. Uh, I'm just, yeah, I'm just loving his season. So. Yeah. 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 So steady. I remember, uh, I think you, you picked a couple of spots after me in the draft and the receivers, like the big time receivers just weren't on my radar at all. And after this season and watching your team, I just don't know that I can ever watch him pass me by in a draft again. Like it, it, he has, he has been that steady. Um, so yeah, a very worthy MVP choice there. Um, other side of the coin then who has been the biggest disappointment on your team and this could be someone who's still on your team or someone that uh, is off your team yeah so I think everybody listening to this podcast is screaming Russell Wilson I mean <laughs> it's it's been rough uh you know he's the the first quarterback I picked and I mean just had a lot of high hopes for you know him having a, a really good year or at least a solid year and it's just been so bad I mean you know, I know he's had some injuries and it's, but I mean, he, my God, it, he got me like 13 points with this week. And I, I'm just, I did not imagine that he could have this bad a year. So yeah. it's, it's been really frustrating. I keep waiting for him to turn the corner because I've had Russ a bunch of seasons and sometimes he starts slow, but then he yeah. like really gets it going. And there was a point when I thought he was doing it. He had one great, or well, really solid game. And then it's just, yeah, no. I mean, what, he threw for 142 yards. I, it, it, it's been painful to watch. Like, so, like yeah. pedestrian, like, like backup numbers, but with the money they're giving him, they have no choice. They seem to be locked in for at least yeah. three, four years at this point. Yeah. Yeah, it's not good. I hope he can turn it around, you know, if not this year, maybe next. But um, obviously that was a big, a big fail. I mean, I should have been drafting like Geno Smith, you know, who would have thought Geno Smith is just killing Russ in terms of season. Truly, truly. The Seahawks really look like winners on this. This almost feels like the opposite of uh, that uh, process with Justin Fields, where you were about to drop him and then all of a sudden he turns into the best player in the league, you're feeling good about him. He was your number one quarterback. At what point did you realize, and I know you you just said you hope he can still uh, turn it around, but at what point did you realize that, like, eh, it ain't likely? It's a good question. When did I think it was not happening? I would say about three games ago, I pretty much said, you know, this just... Yeah, not happening. When he, when he came out of the bye, when he had a week off, a chance to maybe feel better, get healthy, and then just another sub-20-point game, yeah. you know, it, it just it, it burns. I mean, he's Russ has had only one game 
this year in which he scored more than 24 points. Wow. (laughs) Wow. That just won't get it done from your, what, round four, I think? He was your, Uh, your fourth round pick? It, it hurts to hear you say that, but yeah, I think I think it was four. You know, he was going to be my, my stud quarterback, but yeah, he's had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven weeks in which he's scored in the teens. Um, Yuck. I mean, just not, not good. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I will say again, we talked about your running backs, but like all the more respect for what you have been able to do. Uh, let's shift our uh, attention to the league, league standings, league trends. We've got two more weeks left uh, in the regular season. What stands out to you at this point in the season? Yeah, no, I love the question. So a few things I want to cover. I believe last time I was on the pod, I said, this is the year of wrath. Yeah, and you did. You know, I called the year of wrath. Um, he did spend some of his free agent money, which I, you know, I didn't get that right. But I mean, look, he's 10 and two. He's leading the league. Yeah, I do want to revise slightly. And I say this is the regular season of wrath. I think somebody's going to steamroll him in the playoffs. Um, and what, and what makes think, you say that? <laughs> I mean, he, I mean, look, he's only scored seven more points than me. And I could easily be out of the playoffs. Um you know, I just see teams like I think Jason is really putting it together. Yeah, uh, he's looking strong. You know, you've managed to actually win some games to match all your points. So, you know, your team is looking dangerous. Another one I, I don't want to play in the playoffs. Um, I just think like Raph, everything has broken his way. Yeah, At some everything. point, the law of averages. Right? Shouldn't something go wrong for him? <laughs> you would think. You would think it, it certainly wasn't last week when. He played Pat, and Pat scored less than 87 points. So it's like, it's that kind of luck um, that has gone his way all year. Yeah, Jason has just been under the... I mentioned it once on the league thread recently, but he's been under the radar the whole year. Raph or Anthony, and primarily Raph, have been at that number one position. Luke has gotten uh, a lot of attention. People have mentioned uh, my team, but like virtually no one has talked about Jason and he has just been really steady, uh, solid points, sometimes some really big wins too. Uh, And he is in sole possession of second place right now uh, at eight and four and has arguably the player of the year in Josh Jacobs, who just went bonkers and had 300 plus uh, rushing and receiving yards. Just, yeah, Jason's looking really good right now. Yeah. Yeah. Great team. As you said, I think, yeah, totally nail the analysis. I mean, and wow. Undrafted Geno Smith. Uh, you know, I just, I looked at the draft earlier today. I'm like, really? Nobody took this guy. No. So we all thought uh, that, that, uh, drew lock was going to take over at some point. Can you like, can you imagine that saying that now drew lock? (laughs) It's crazy. Yeah. So no, I I mean, Jason, I think it's about time he gets his due that yeah, his, his team is, it, it looks scary. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And then, you know, yeah, all the Luke hype, I, I kind of feel like we cursed him. He's on the outside looking in now, even with all his points. Um, you know, it's for the best of everybody else that his team won't maybe won't be in the playoffs because clearly he can drop 200 points on somebody. So. Yeah. And Jamar Chase, people forget this. Jamar Chase has been out for, I think, four or five weeks now. And so Jamar Chase hasn't been a part of his lineup. And it looks like this upcoming week is the first week that he will be healthy. So he's got uh, 
uh, Hill, what is his name? Uh, the Dolphins receiver. Why is his first name? Tyreek. He's got Tyreek Hill uh, and now Jamar Chase. Um, so with, with, with the Tua Tagovailoa connection, and I'm just looking now for the first time, week 13, Deshaun Watson is getting a start. <laughs> so Luke's team should be fascinating. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. No, never, never dull with his team. Um, and you never know, too. You know, when you look at the league, you know, where is Anthony's team headed? Um, I, I still think he's in the mix. You know, yeah, I, so I want to sleep on him either. Anthony's seven and five right now. He's uh, in the third seed. Um, he's but OK. Third, fourth and fifth seed. Anthony, you and Pat all sitting at seven and five. Who would you say is the best of that seven and five? Who would you say is the worst of that seven and five? That's a good question. It's funny because, I mean, Pat dropped like 188 points on me, and then he drops, you know, only 88 against Raph, which maybe it's just the lucky Raph curse. So, you know, I had thought Pat's team was kind of taken on water, but I kind of think ultimately that he just had a down week. I honestly, to be honest, I think I'm probably the weakest of those three teams. Um, and I, I think Anthony's is the strongest. So All if, right. I, if so, I'm being honest and, you know, and not glossing over, you know, where I'm at in this season, unless Jeff that. Wilson Jr., you know, just starts really kicking it up a, a notch or two. And it's hard to like honestly assess your own team especially on a pot on a podcast i'm sure so i would be interested for folks who are listening for the league thread um who do you think is the stronger team right now between commies for capitalism and shenanigans both sitting at seven and five yeah um last we thing on easily... go ahead I'm go sorry. ahead no go ahead i was gonna say we could easily play first round of the playoffs and you know that's maybe my preferred playoff matchup, maybe my best <laughs> chance. And th- that would certainly be uh, more definitive on who is the better squad between those two. <laughs> uh, last thing here on the league, the role of luck, right? And we're, we're two weeks out of the playoffs right now. We have a chance to see the ebbs and flows of the entire year, the lucky breaks, uh, the bad breaks figuratively, and literally, um, what comes to mind when you think of the role of luck in fantasy? Yeah, I think we probably underrate it. Um, you know, I think maybe some franchises are, are better than others, but there is just so much coincidence, whether it's injuries or who you're playing and, and how much they score. A lot of that, we just, we have no control over it. You know, uh, some player you pick up, they happen to have a huge year and you didn't even see it coming. So yeah, there is a lot of luck and I think it helps me stay humble of like, uh, you know, just, Hey, I mean, things could so easily be so different for basically any team in our league, I think. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And, and, you know, when I think of uh, injury luck in particular, that can hit you in two ways, at least that are coming to mind for me. One is that, 
you know, I mean, first of all, if like if your player stays healthy all year and he scores a lot of points, like that, that is a major source of, uh, you know, winning potential. Um, but if he has an early season, uh, I mean, it doesn't actually like matter where. Sometimes it's better to have um, an early season injury. That way you can make up for it. Sometimes those late or mid season injuries when, there's no one out there that you can pick up on the waiver wire. Sometimes you can swing a trade. Sometimes you can't. Sometimes those can really uh, do you in. Having someone who's really strong uh, just like gone from your roster. Um, and then I think it hits you in games as well, like week to week. If you have have a guy, even if it's not a major injury, right? If he tweaks his ankle and they're like, ah, we're going to be cautious with him. Uh, but he's had, you know one catch for 15 yards uh, or he's had three carries for 17 yards. Like that's it. That Those are your points for, for that slot for that week. Right. Oh yeah. It, it's so true. It's a, and right. And like, when does your guy get hurt in the game? You know, at the end of the first fourth quarter versus the start of the first who, you know, who can control that? I mean, it's, I mean, just look at like your squad, what happened last night, right? With uh, Anthony's running back scores a touchdown gets hurt, leaves the game. And I mean, it could have so easily been so different. Um, you know, even like my, what my matchup with Steve and the, the game in overtime. And it's like, you know, if his wideout catches one more ball, he wins. And uh, I mean, I really feel like that we should give like the Andrew Luck award or something Ooh. at the end of the year for who is like the most lucky team and the least, le- the fewest uh, or what least lucky team. I think that would be, um, worthy at the banquet. So. I like that. I like that. Great. I'm, I'm always for new or rotating awards coming in uh, at the banquet. So let's give some thought to that collectively. Um, Matt, let's transition here. We've got a um, few minutes left. So I think we're just going to tackle one of these stories. Um, you and I were, were chatting and I know we're both reading up on the Washington Post's blackout series covering the trends in um, black coaches uh, and the kinds of opportunities they have to get head coaching gigs in particular uh, in the league. This past week, uh, that series had an article that featured Jerry Jones, his story uh, growing up in racially segregated Arkansas, um, his presence now in the league being arguably the most powerful owner. And some people even refer to him as a shadow commissioner. And the Cowboys are one of the many teams in the league who have never had a uh, a black head coach and have only, I think, in the last 20, 25 years have had two black coordinators. So that's a little uh-huh. context for uh, the listeners who uh, may not have had a chance to read that article. But uh, what stood out to you about that article? Yeah, I thought it was a great story. I have to admit, first, I'm, I'm totally biased. I used to work in the post-sports <laughs> department. I know you know, some of the people who wrote the stories, but I mean, I thought that series was so strong. They, I thought they executed it really well. And I just thought Jerry Jones was just such a great way to show this story. And I mean, it was just like, wow, this guy, Jerry Jones was standing on the steps, basically blocking school integration. And you can see him in the historic photo. There yeah. he is. Yeah. And he, he says, he's like, oh, I was just observing, but it's kind of like, well, I, I don't, observing? I don't know. I mean, it's like, if you wanted the guys to come in, why were you a part of the blocking, you know? It, but the story, I mean, I just had so much thoughts on that. Like, I maybe, you know, first of all, the fact that Jerry Jones would talk about this all was, 
interesting to me. They said yes. every other owner wouldn't talk. Yes. But Jerry Jones in some way was like very comfortable and it was almost to some way I appreciated that he talked, but I was concerned that he may in some ways have no shame about the situation, that he feels that like sense. nothing is wrong here. So he's like, yeah, I'll sit down and, and talk about this and how, I mean, he, he basically... <laughs> He just hires his boys from Arkansas, like Jimmy Johnson was his roommate, you know, yep. Barry Switzer was, and I mean, and the fact that he's still got like the most valuable franchise in the league and by a mile, and despite the fact he's won what only four playoff games since like the late nineties. Yeah. It, I mean, clearly he needs to do something different with his coaching and it just seems like this should be screaming him in the face. Like, um, you know, why don't you check out some of the young black talent? You know, your team might be doing a lot better. Uh, I mean, it was just such it. It really the story really stuck with me. I'm, I'm kind of rambling. I'm curious your your thoughts too. This is phenomenal, phenomenal. So much that you're saying that resonates with me. The one piece that stood out most, and then I might rep- might come back to something you said. The one thing that stood out to me most was, yeah, just how brazen and actually open about it all. Uh, and when he was being interviewed and the interviewer said something like, you know, if you took this step forward, it could mean a lot for the league. Like other owners would follow in line and if it would fall in line. And his response was like, basically, yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> That's it. And that was it. Like- and that was it. So like he understands the the power he wields. He understands that all eyes are on the Cowboys and he, it's, it's a, it's a, he also wasn't saying he wasn't going to, he didn't, he wasn't saying that he'd, he had a problem with it. He, it was weird. I mean, it honestly was weird. The level to which he was open with it all. Um, yeah. and kind of let you see exactly who he was. Right. Exactly. Yeah. He definitely. And that's when just for like the historical record, I'm glad that he did the interview because I think it kind of showed this person and how people may think about race. And it clearly seems so odd and inconsistent of like, there's the stuff where like, you know, oh, he seemed to really like Emmett Smith and let Emmett mm-hmm. Smith sit in on his business dealings to try to help him out for his mm-hmm. like, future career or, or standing by like what Nate Newton, even with his like drug charges. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, he's slightly a complicated character. But ultimately, it seems like in his head, he just really has these barriers around, you know, where black guys can and can't go. Yes. Um, and it is just like, gosh, and you, you know, it. I just can't help but keep thinking about, you know, him being at that school in Arkansas, blocking the integration. And it, it appears like he's grown in some ways as a person, but still there's a lot of work to do there. Um, yeah. Yeah. Really well said. Um, you know, he he's. When I compare him to another Texas owner, uh, Cal, mm, whatever his, the the guy from the Houston Texans, Cal McNair, and Bob McNair was his dad, uh, passed away a few years ago. He was the one when there were um, the uh, protests kneeling when the national anthem was played. He was the one who said, uh, you can't let the inmates run the prison. Or something like yeah, yeah. He, he he like that guy was a, like someone who just like seemed to reek racism. Yep. Jerry yeah. doesn't give me that same sense 
Um, at least in his public persona, I don't know the guy in private. The right. the way it strikes me, and the way and and reading that article uh, deepened that sense a little bit for me. The way it strikes me is that uh, first, I believe that there are many kinds of racism, um, and and in the United States as well, racism can manifest in different ways, um, even um, amongst uh, you know. Uh, a particular group of people. And I think you do have your um, McNairs uh, who are more just, you know, there are certain things they won't say in public, obviously, because they're uh, NFL owners, but they're just more vehement, vehement about it. Um, right. right. And then you have folks where it's like, they're not going to say certain things, but they also, to to me, what it comes down to is they don't believe a black person can be in charge or should be in charge. And that's that to me, I think, is one of the things that stood out in that Cowboys article. Yeah, right. Exactly. Of like, yeah, because I mean, you've got Jerry who was like willing to what take the knee with the players and he had some. But at the same time, it's like, you know, yeah, I mean, it's just the overwhelming sentiment of like, you know, why have you never, ever like hired a black guy? And he's like, oh, well, I know Dennis Green and I almost was going to hire him, but, but Parcells was available. It's like, uh, gosh, I mean, how about the, the anecdote about the Augusta, the masters thing? Did Remind that me. stick with you? No, clearly not. Remind like, me. So, <laughs> to me, this made me think like, gosh, Jerry, you just really don't get, you know, what it's like to be a black person of, um, of Jerry Jones goes to like, give this talk to these kind of like young upstart black coaches to talk to them about how do you make it in the world? How do you develop yourself? How do you get the big job? And he tells this story about how he signed a key client uh, because he called up his old coach who is an Augusta member and got his old coach to take the business guy out to play at the Masters. And it's like, Jerry, you know, I mean, what the Masters, it's like, they only have a lot of white guys there. It's not like anybody in this audience can do something like that. Wow. But like this was the story he presented and he just didn't get that. Like you find another story, you know? Wow. No, that wow. didn't stick out. That didn't stick out that yeah. series. And I really do. I, I know I've talked about it before. Um, Anthony and I, I think chatted uh, when uh, about it, when he was the guest here, um, that is such a worthwhile series. And if people, have not read it or have only read parts of it. It it's long. I think they've got now five or six parts of the series. I don't know what their end goal is with it, but it's really good journalism. Um, like I, I'm surprised that you and I did not know that Jerry Jones was there uh, the the day yeah. that that school was trying to be integrated. So like they've clearly like gone above and beyond. Um, you know, just trying trying to sort of piece together an argument about black coaches in this league and the history behind that yeah it was great uh, you know i hope the series wins awards that just the the attention to detail and as you said it was yeah just a, a real level a level up from most journalism so yeah Matt, thanks for thanks for bringing that up. Really appreciate that. Really appreciated our uh, candid conversation on that as well. Um, clearly, it was an article that moved uh, both of us, and um, I, I think I'm leaving this conversation even more intrigued with Jerry as a personality and sort of curious about how he operates in this world. Yeah, no, this was great. Th- thanks for having me on, and uh, good luck to everybody in the final weeks. So we're going to wrap up here with... Um, as we have 
uh, bold predictions. Uh, and I know we, we've got some big weeks coming up. Two more weeks. You are playing RAF this week. <laughs> so you'll be able you'll be able to have a chance to to see um if that luck or curse as it were is real uh and i'll be playing jason so a couple of guys that we talked about on this show already um i'm going to ask you for uh, your prediction on two things we'll do the first thing so we know that raf and jason are in the playoffs who are your last four playoff contenders Oh, wow. Good, good question. Uh, last four most likely to get in. You know, I know this sounds boring, but I think it's just going to stick the way we have it right now. Those six get in, maybe Ooh. the order changes, but I, yeah, I think Anthony, me, Pat, and you, um, that's what I'm calling. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, uh, only truly only time will tell. And if those six are going to be the playoff contenders prediction on league champ. League champ prediction. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say, say who, who are the finalists? Who's playing in the finals? I think it's you and Jason in the final. Jason, you hear that buddy? And then if you got to go with your gut, who's coming out on top? I, I give it to Jason actually. Yeah. Ooh. Nice. We've had some spicy business here. We'll see. And Jason and I will have uh, some arguments about this later in the Brittany. Um, Matt, this has been <laughs> tremendous. Thank you for joining the show for a second time, bringing it this time, talking about your team, the league, um, the Washington Post article. Enjoyed it all. Thank you so much. It was a blast. Thanks so much. Well.